This episode is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, experienced wealth managers who go above and beyond to guide and support you. CanDo is more than just an attitude. It's navigating today for a brighter tomorrow. Visit CanDoWealth.com. Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shots. I'm James Seal and I'm joined today by Katie Balls and Fraser Nelson. And the big story which has been occupying Spectator Towers today has been about the appointment of Humza Yusuf's First Ministership Cabinet. And Fraser, there's a couple of big omissions, aren't there? Well, the biggest omission, of course, is Kate Forbes. After she won 48% of the vote, it was clear that not just probably she was a favourite candidate, probably most of the non-SNP part of Scotland, but half of the SNP membership itself wanted her. Now, when that happens in politics, you, you, when your opponent almost beats you, you cannot exactly banish your opponent out of Siberia. This, but instead, he gave her this offer of this insulting demotion, which quite rightly she didn't take, and then she quit the government, thereby dismaying half of the SNP membership. And to me, it's strange. I mean, in Katie's political column tomorrow, she points out the parallels between this and Liz Truss. Liz Truss, of course, didn't hold Rishi Sunak close. Um, she went out for a sort of rather vengeful reshuffle where she got her allies close to her. Anybody had pretty much ever held a placard for Liz Truss found themselves in government in one shape or another. Now, this proved to be calamitous because when hard times strike, you need people to rally around you. That's not going to happen if you've alienated half of the party and the MSPs and the other aides, etc., inside it. So it is a very dangerous path, shall we say, for Hamza Youssef, who has his first day as First Minister's questions tomorrow. Alex Salmond writes for Dari in this week's Spectator, and he points out that this is, um, again, a very short-termist path. For, for Hamza Yusuf, had he won by 70% or 80%, then fair enough, he might be entitled to personalise his cabinet to this way. But when you don't have the mandate, but you do then behave as if you've just won a massive one, then you invite sort of trouble, which I suspect will not be far behind him. Um, and Fraser, I also want to ask the Liz Truss parallel as well. I mean, could there be the sense that Kate Forbes and people like Ivan McKee, who was also a key supporter first cast out, there could be a kind of sort of king over the water waiting a bit like Rishi Sunak's team all then came in sort of seven weeks later. It might be more like nine months for Hamza Youssef, but I think that if he does run out of road, the SNP has in Kate Forbes somebody willing to take over. And I think it's an interesting one because, of course, we're talking about Scottish Parliament, but this does affect the whole of the UK. And that's one of the things I say in the column this week, which is when you think about the next election and the path to victory, which at the, at the moment most people think is a Labour path, and how tricky it is actually for the Labour Party to get a majority. Making gains from the SNP is very important. I think the Tories also see a massive opportunity in terms of Youssef uh, being selected. They think that he will have a similar effect as Nicola Sturgeon in terms of being so divisive to their core base that you get the vote out because people just want to stop them from becoming that person and, and taking power. And therefore, while it might seem like it's infighting, you know, not in Westminster, this does send lots of ripples around, which I think means that and I think I remember speaking to some SNP figures yesterday before Hims Yusuf offered Kate Forbes this quite measly job. And they were saying, it's going to be fine. Yes, we've had infighting. We'll move past it. We can draw a line. And actually, if he just gives Kate Forbes a big job and we'll show that, you know, we, we've had our bloodletting, so to speak, and now, and now onwards we go. And then just a few hours later, this happens. And it suggests that the dirty laundry you saw in that five-week contest is 
not about to go away and that's a problem for the SNP and a massive advantage and opportunity for both Labour and the Tories. And the other big story that's been occupying the day has been the government's proposals for moving um, refugee seekers, migrants out of the hotels where they're running up a sort of £6 million a day bill. Um, Katie, talk us through the logic of this and the announcements today. Yes, yeah, so this is an interesting one. There's lots of questions as to what's the most cost-effective approach when it comes to housing um, migrants. Now, what Robert Jenrick announced, the immigration minister, was that there'll be three sites which include two ex-military bases to be used as migrant housing in a bid to cut down on hotel use. Now, hotel use has become pretty poisonous politically for the Tory party. You have a situation where I think MPs all across the country are now feeling that their constituents are becoming increasingly aggravated, not just about the rising number of people arriving on small boats, but the fact they have visual reminders it is affecting them and their communities. So this is aimed at trying to stop that. It's why also it could still be quite expensive for the government, but I don't think this is just about money. It's about what is the least politically painful option you have. What's quite interesting is in various briefings to papers, there's been lots of things about ferries, barges, floating devices on which they would house um, asylum seekers. Now, today... The government rode back from that and said they're exploring the possibility. But that hasn't stopped the papers kind of going in big with the pictures. And I think that is clearly some playing to the gallery, try and say we're sounding tough. But there's so many logistical problems for going that far. So you see Rishi Sunak, who wants to under-promise and over-deliver, um, promising some things that are achievable, but also still that sense in government of, um, I think, going for things that perhaps get more headlines than progress. Yeah, I mean, Fraser, you look at things like the Rwanda scheme, you look at the boats today, you look at the big talk of Rishi Sunak saying stop the boats. You know, it's all very sort of planes, trains and automobiles. Uh, do you think there's a, perhaps a sense that, you know, what Rishi Sunak's been very keen to, as Katie says, under-promise and over-deliver, is there a case on this that there's the inverse and he's actually going to end up disappointing a lot of voters? Well, it all depends on whether those planes take off in June, July, as we're being led to believe. Uh, sending asylum seekers to military barracks is, is is hardly inhumane, and I pretty much grew up in these um, military forces course, yeah. quarters, and they're they're really really nice. So the problem, of course, is the cost, right? But then again, when you look at the details today, there is no indication when this is going to cost significantly less than the six million pounds a day that they're spending in hotels. This cost, of course, is a function of the the big problem, which is the sheer amount of time it takes to process a claim. Now, the government's biggest bugbear here isn't so much for small boat arrivals. I mean, they are as large as they are because of the sheer length of time it takes to process a claim. I think that four years ago, only 8% of them were taking more than six months. Now, only 8% take less than six months to process. Some people go for a year, a year and a half. And, of course, one of my solutions to this would be let them work. Right now, they're being forced to stay at the taxpayer's expense in hotels when these, quite often, are some of the most industrious, entrepreneurial people. I mean, sure, a lot of them broke the law in getting to this country in the first place, but we have got a national worker shortage right now. And I would certainly support allowing asylum seekers to work while their appeal is processed and giving them the chance to support themselves. I think there's something almost grotesque in in telling these people that, no, we're going to come and arrest you if you've got the temerity to go and support yourself. We demand you stay in this hotel and live off a taxpayer's expense. That's not what they came here to do. So I do think that um, taking a more open-minded approach 
to the working restrictions on asylum seekers awaiting their claim could be an even better way of saving money than sending them to these lovely former military quarters. Katie, I was watching the debate that followed Prime Minister's questions when Robert Jenrick made his statement to the House, and it was quite something watching um, Sir Edward Lee uh, stand up and say, a Gainsborough MP, and say, Gainsborough will fight and Gainsborough will be right, saying about how he's going to resist the proposals to turn the former Dambusters base into one of these sites for for migrants to come and live. I mean, surely this is the great difficulty, which is that all Tory MPs want action on this, right? They want to reduce the hotel bill, but actually they don't want them to come anywhere near their own constituency. Yeah, I think this is why, once again, we go back to boats yeah. in terms of, you know, large-scale places to put people, which, are, you know, may may be near the shore, but effectively are not on land, which I think is one of the uh, the factors which appeals politically, um, but much harder to do. I mean, ultimately, when you look at some of these bases, like some military bases that could be used, they are, it is incredibly unpopular. James Cleverly... Foreign Secretary has one in his, they, and everything suggests he is not very happy about it. But I think on a political pain point of view, would the government rather annoy most MPs by having hotels in lots of constituencies, or is it better tactically to have a situation where you are then limited to a few bases, which might also be in particularly you know, safe seats, um, where they think it's going to have less of an effect? I think we're seeing a little bit of that here. And you saw that with Rishi Sunak as well, by putting uh, the sort of rabbit out the hat and saying that he was going to have some in his own constituency as well, which perhaps shows a degree of leadership on this question. Well, rather his constituents are going to help him. I'm not quite sure how close he'll be personally getting to this. No, though he does spend quite a lot of time in his constituency, but I think he has quite a large house, so obviously he has a swimming pool. <laughs> and of course, finally, that uh, that statement in the House of Commons came after a particularly enjoyable bit of knockabout between uh, the two deputies. Uh, Sir Keir Starmer and Rishi Sinek were away at the uh, memorial service of Betty Boothroyd, so it's time for uh, Angela Rayner and Dominic Raab to come out. And... Um, well, actually, Rayner had a bit of fun at Dominic Raab's expense, didn't she, in the sort of anti-social behaviour initiative, Katie? She did, though. I think Raab actually came back quite strong on that in the sense, I think it's fair to say, you sort of see some politicians sparring and you think, oh, they're just getting in the moment. And you watch Dominic Raab and Angela Rayner and you do think, <laughs> no, I, I really don't think they like each other. Um, and as you say, Angela Rayner was trying to go after Dominic Raab on bullying behaviour, um, anti-social behaviour linked to the fact there's an ongoing investigation that she expects to report very soon into Dominic Raab. But he replied and was clearly quite well prepped saying, well, he's never referred to anyone as scum. And of course, Angela Rayner famously referred to conservatives as scum and later had to apologise. And I think it did succeed in blunting some of her attacks. Well, thank you, Katie. Thank you, Fraser. And thank you for listening to Coffee House Shots.